This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. And before we jump into today's episode, I just have a few little announcements. Militantly Mixed is up on Patreon. For those of you that are veteran podcast listeners, you're probably aware that many independent podcasts are able to stay online because of the generous support of their listeners. For those of you new to podcasts, Patreon is a website that allows people to contribute to the content or art of independent independent creators with monthly donations as low as $1 to as high as you want to contribute. If you become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed through Patreon, you'll gain access to early release or exclusive content as the podcast grows. There'll be swag, and we'll even shout you out on the show or on Twitter. Patreon is an awesome tool that helps independent podcasters continue to produce excellent podcasts for their listeners. And if you wish to sponsor the show, please head over to www.patreon.com slash militantly mixed. And Patreon is P as in Paul, A, T as in Tom, R, E, O, N. And if you are enjoying the show, don't forget to hit us up on social media. You can tweet at us at Militantly Mix. We're also at Militantly Mix on Instagram. And on Facebook, we are at www.facebook.com slash Militantly Mixed. And if you wish to be a guest on Militantly Mix, please email me at Charmaine at Militantly Mix.com. And that is Charmaine, S as in Sam, H-A-R-M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E at MilitantlyMix.com. Okay, now on to week four. I'm really excited about this episode. I mean, I'm excited about all the episodes, but back in the early stages of looking for guests, I kind of stumbled on the Mixed Race Family blog, and I, I think I tweeted or direct message Mixed Up Mama, the creator of the Mixed Race Family blog, and asked her if she would be willing to come on the show. She is a mother of three Mixed Race daughters. She's also Mixed Race herself, and she is raising her family in the UK. She was compelled to start a blog about the complexities of raising Mixed Race family in a world that doesn't seem to really always make room for them, based off of a few incidences that she had with her children. I just want to kind of fangirl out a little bit about her because, uh, you know, I just took a shot to to message her to see if she'd be willing to participate and she was but once we actually got to talk for the first time she's just she's so kind and really easy to talk to you know first time out the gate it's as if you already know her she's very deliberate about how she deals with mixed race things she she has a wealth of knowledge just from her own experience and and raising her family but more than anything she cares about sort of normalizing or getting the word out about mixed race people so that people start to learn how to engage with us normal without kind of making us others every single time they engage. It was fun talking to her. We got to commiserate a lot about the things that we both find frustrating related to, you know, erasure of our mixedness or our uniqueness, the colorism, the weird stuff people say to us as mixed race people. Uh, There's a couple little heartbreaking moments with their daughters as they're kind of dealing with feeling quote unquote different. It was really just a wonderful conversation. I can't wait for y'all to hear. But before we switch over to that, let me just tell you about her blog. It is Mixed Race Family Blog. Uh, you can actually Google search that or it's mixedracefamily.com. You can also follow her on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash I believe it's Mixed Race Family. 
family. And she's on Twitter and Instagram as well, which she mentions at the end of the show. So without further ado, here is my discussion with Mixed Up Mama. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of an intro about yourself and, and your family, and let's get into it. Right. Yeah, so I, I write a, a blog for mixed-race families, for parents who are raising mixed-race kids. I am mixed-race myself, so I grew up in Canada. My father's Iranian, my mom's English, and we emigrated when I was about four years old, immigrated to Canada. And uh, when I was about, after uh, university, went to my master's in England and met my current husband who is Nigerian and we have three girls by uh, multiracial girls who are ages five and three so yeah so I've kind of having had the the, the experience growing up um, mixed but also in a different way sort of because I'm able to pass as white mm. but having had the multicultural experience as well I feel like I'm uh, I'm sensitive to the issues that my children were facing and also learn some of the lessons that my parents did or didn't do and wanted to do that, do something different with my children. So here I am. That's what I find interesting about you. So the way I I discovered you is through Twitter. And I, I really like that you, you know, not only did you have this mixed race family, but that you're, you're also mixed race yourself, you're in an interracial relationship. And that that kind of speaks very close to my own experience, my parents, well, my parents were both biracial, but they were also in an interracial relationship. So it's not that my upbringing didn't inform me that I was mixed or that I might be different from the other people around me. It but it did kind of of prepare me f- that other people were going to view me as different from them. And I think your children will also be in that kind of unique experience of knowing that they come from a mixed race family, mixed cultural family, nationality, yeah. I guess, even too. Yeah. And so it'll it'll be interesting to watch them grow and, and see what kind of mixed race powerhouses they become as they get older. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about sort of your your background kind of growing up and what that meant for you like were I I know you say that you're a little white passing and I do understand how having seen you I do understand that people may see you that way I think because I'm mixed I tend to be you know hyper aware of other mixed faces so I see you and I do see someone that I'm just like is she is she Persian is she Middle Eastern my husband's Middle Eastern and my uh, some of my closest friends are Persian so I kind of see some of those similarities I just think maybe I'm more aware uh, yeah. or aware to it but I can I can also see how people may view you as as white passing I, I wonder if do Iranians see you or do other Persians see you as Persian or do they see you as yeah different? yeah it's different and uh, even in a different uh, even in a just to to, to an even greater extent because you've got then the the language issue and I think language then adds another aspect to multiculturalism right. and claiming that claiming an identity that if you don't speak the language then you're you're you can be excluded and I remember growing up and going to because um, we have Persian New Year which is basically the Christmas for 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 the Iranian community and I would go and I would be amongst all my 
my Persian friends. My dad was fully immersed in the in the Iranian community. It was quite small in Edmonton, Alberta. But yeah, I because I didn't have that language aspect. I remember some of the kids sort of saying to me, "Oh, you're you're kind of half. You're half half Persian, and therefore you." I was, you know, only allowed into certain circles and. Mm. And this, and I was saying to you, I think before that this ideal that you kind of, you feel like, okay, well, if I'm not accepted fully in the white community, then surely I'm going to be fully accepted in this area, this other, yeah. um, the, whatever makes me other, I'm going to be accepted there. And it, and it, it was never the case. Mm. And because my parents didn't, didn't actually, like my father because he went through a bit of racism in, in Canada, and certainly he, you know, we had immigrated at a time when it was the Iran-Iraq uh, war, and there was a lot of anti-Iranian sentiment because of the Iranian hostage crisis. Mm-hmm. I think there was, he was going through his own struggles there. So it was, we didn't get a whole lot of, I don't think there was a lot of talk about Iranian culture and being proud of who we were. And it was more like, let's assimilate and, and be be as Canadian as we can, whatever that means. Right. To so that I'm sure it was to protect us and to make sure that we didn't we didn't stand out or we didn't have to go through any of the what he had gone gone through. And yet it, it actually meant that and in some ways when I was growing up, I felt I needed to reject that part of myself. Hmm. And it was only when I was growing, you know, high school, university point where I was like, oh, actually, this is what makes me unique. I have um, I have a Persian name, whereas I'd always tried to anglicize it. I embr- fully embraced it in university and and, you know, even just explored it further, even within my my thesis that I was doing for my degree. So mm. it was, yeah. Were you Sorry, exposed to the language? So I understand it a little bit, but not really. It was mostly because my grandmother lived with us for about two years mm. um, through osmosis, but it was never an, a deliberate effort on my dead side to speak it to us, no. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of us kind of do that. I know on the Japanese side of my family, when my grandmother came over, she's a war bride era person. And so she she was told by the U.S. military when she came here after she married my grandfather that it's bad enough your kids are going to be half-breeds. Don't teach them Japanese because you'll confuse their brains. Yeah. And so, you know, it's the yeah. late 50s, early 60s, that was the mentality back there that somehow it would be a detriment for them to speak their language. And so she was so paranoid yeah. about that and, and, and actually probably yeah. even and thinking deportation would come, uh, that she never wow. spoke it really. Just little things here and there, food and money, th- things that are kind of, you know, a mix between Japanese and English language. Yeah. And even by the time I came, it was still hard to convince her to teach us Japanese. So I, I, I think I knew a little bit more than even my mom and her sisters did. Uh, and then, of wow. course, in college, I started to, to teach it. But it, it took until I was in my 30s before she would even sort of respond to me in Japanese if I made wow. the effort because that fear oh, that they drove in back then. I don't know if that is quite yes. the same, but you know, assimilation when you come to a new place, especially a Western place, I think does end up diluting totally. <laughs> our language and our culture. So what exactly, about, um, yes. not to jump around too much, but what about with your, when you met your husband in college, is language a part of your current, your, you know, your actual family with, with your children? Are you um, exposing them? No, I mean because neither of us are fully fluent in either um, in either Farsi, and he he would probably agree that he's not fully fluent. I think in his own native language, which is Yoruba, mm. we haven't. I mean, the odd effort here and there, but I think I think you need to be you know you need to be pretty comfortable to be able to speak to your kids because you know automatically right. when you get angry you, you forget <laughs> what like you're speaking and it's going to come out your your mother tongue is going to come out no matter what so right. so yeah i neither of us have 
and, and it's a regret. I mean, I do feel like it would be great to have a language that we could speak, teach them. But yeah, I feel the same way. Like I, I, I try, but I, I maybe don't try hard enough, <laughs> you know, and mm. I, it's one of those things. It's like, I wish it was just already there. And I am sort of jealous of my other either mixed race or from other country friends that, that grew up and had exposure to both languages or, or all the languages. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, Could I? I ask, is it your mom's side that's Japanese? Or is it yeah, your it's my mom's okay. side. So my my okay. dad is half American black, half Caucasian British, and my grandfather was stationed for some reason in England during the Korean War time. And my mom's side, my grandmother is Japanese, and my grandfather is German-Irish hybrid American GI who was stationed in Japan during the Korean War. So okay, that, that's how okay. that's how I'm multiracial, multicultural, right. really? and multi- yeah. yeah, it's like I have American grandfathers. For this and, job. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say the reason I ask is because I actually I read somewhere that if you're so giving an example, I know someone who's uh, half British half Persian as well but because his mother is Persian and she she's kind of the, the main caregiver giver to have the sort of the person who wants who speaks the language as the mother it tends to get passed down um more mm. easily hmm. but I guess because your mother your mom didn't speak it um yeah it did it didn't translate in your case but the funny thing Just is, it. with my mom in particular, she's the middle child, and she actually did live in Japan when she was young, and she picked up the least amount of Japanese of her sisters. So wow. even like I got to a point where I kind of passed her up because I, I actually lived with my grandmother a little bit in my teens, and, and uh, well, actually throughout my life on and off, I lived with my Japanese grandma quite a bit. And so I picked up a lot more, and there would be times when if my mother and my grandmother and I were together, my grandmother and I would exchange if not whole sentences, because I'm not even remotely fluent, but you know, here and there, like mm-hmm. we always knew people's races, we knew food, we knew money things, and we knew time right. stuff. So we could be like, oh, look at that, you know, white person over there, or look at that, you know, right, Chinese right. person over there. And we would do that in front of her, and she would look at us puzzled. And I, you know, that's when I started to realize that, like, even <laughs> I was somewhat more Japanese than my mother. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was a little bit more invested, I think, than even yeah, my mother. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, so yeah, we were talking um, sort of about your 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 own upbringing and that sense of, and I I completely understand this too. That sense of okay, th- this group othered me. Let me go to this group. They're going to accept me, and naturally they're going to accept me. And then you kind of don't get there too. And I get that too from the Japanese side. Uh, I'm not Japanese enough, or I actually not even considered Japanese to Japanese people because even my grandmother who left the country is no longer considered Japanese wow. to them because they're more of a national. Nationalistic yes. um, culture yes. versus versus an ethnic based culture, and yeah. uh, and so for me, I get the sense of it. Uh, there's a way that they put it that's sort of like it's so sad that you're not Japanese, or it's kind of funny that you think you're Japanese, but we don't do that. We don't mix. So I understand right. that sense of like wanting to belong anywhere when you're trying to figure out your identity. But when you're not accepted on either side, you're like, all right, well, what do I do? Do I become my own thing? Or, you know, you still want that sense of community. And that tends to yeah. be the thing that sort of sends a lot of us mixed kids into that identity spiral. Do you yeah. feel there was a period of time? Like, was there a, a an event or a period of time that sort of shifted you into feeling really grounded in your mixed identity? Or was there times and even still throughout where you kind of feel 
Like, what really am I? Um, There's definitely times when I still feel, yeah, you're still left wondering, especially, you know, having come to the UK, that was the other side of me where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go there and I'm going to feel instantly a home here. And again, say a similar story. (laughs) But I think, I mean, obviously with age, I think you, you become more mature. You do become more grounded in who you are just by by nature of getting older. But I think having children and then being in a mixed family myself, I think there is much, I, I have become more comfortable with it, partly from the the ability to, to learn from my children and also, mm. so seeing what they're experiencing and also being able to pass on some of the stuff that I, that I learned, but didn't necessarily take cognizance of, of, of actually, yeah, I do know this stuff. I do. I I have experienced this and and kind of really being conscious of the fact that, yeah, there is space to identify as mixed and and exploring that further. I think I've done so much reading. I've done, you know, just really been interested in this area. And, And like I say, because I had the experience myself, but also because... I just feel like there's there's more and more people talking about it. I think there's a growing population of, of mixed families, certainly in, in the U.S., in Canada and the U.K. Mm. But I just find it it's, it's fascinating that there's still this, what I feel like is a very elementary analysis of race still that's so black and white, pardon the pun, but right, it's yeah. still, yeah. <laughs> and I remember even growing up when, I mean, even on Oprah's show, and this was probably about 15, no, 10 years ago, and someone had had raised an issue about a, a girl, young young black girls, and then someone had in the audience had talked about a, a young mixed race girl maybe not having the same experience as one of those. And Oprah couldn't even fathom it. It just wasn't even on her radar that, that I think being I mixed would brought this. up. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I, and it just really shocked me. I was like, "Wow, there's no, there's no, there's no discussion here. There's not even a dialogue in this area." Yeah, I think because we're forced to kind of pick one, and yeah. you know, nine times yeah. out of ten, the world is going to tell you pick the thing that gives you yeah color, right? You know, yeah. or whatever yeah. is the yeah. other thing. Or at least here in the Western world, this tends to be yeah. the case. And so, yeah, so a biracial black or white person, or you know. Latin or white and Asian white, you know, from wherever they're, they're automatically going to have to go with that side. But if, you know, like in the case of, of your children and, and me with us having sort of three areas that our, our families come from, we're going, we're going to look, we're going to just look so different from even Mm -hmm. the standard biracial person that it's really going to be hard. And, and if, if skin color isn't enough to inform how to other you, then, then what is left? So like in my case, I, I've talked about a number of times that though I do identify mostly as black because that was what I was raised most around. And then Japanese is sort of my next thing. And then British is the next thing. Mm -hmm. I don't look like any particular race. You know, black people mm-hmm. can usually tell that I'm black. I've, I've only had the experience once where um, a black person was surprised to find out. But I don't look Asian enough. I don't look... But I do, for some reason, get a thought of as being Dominican or Puerto Rican if I'm on the yeah, East Coast. Yeah, Hispanic, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, so I get that a lot on the East Coast. Yeah. On the West Coast, I get Mexican or, or Filipino. And right. Filipino is sort of the catch-all that anybody who says you're <laughs> even remotely Asian-looking but not Asian enough, you must be Filipino because they're 
they're they're they're the mixed of Asians. Most mixed, but yeah. they're kind of not. You know, like some of them are more Asian, and some of them maybe have some of the of the Spanish from the time period that they were conquered. But you know, they they have a number of different ethnic groups within within their culture too. So it is a weird thing to kind of be assigned. Like if race is the social construct that people, you know, the thing that people put on you, I don't know what race I would be. Um, yeah. But you know, I'm I, I understand my ethnicities. I understand my cultures, and so my identity, you know, is kind of informed yeah. through that. With yeah. your daughters, from the photos that I've seen on your Instagram, they, yeah, I mean, most people will probably think they're biracial b- without further investigation. But to me, again, in the same way that I felt like I could figure out that you were, you know, roughly Persian just because of my experience and exposure to other Persians, but but also mixed, like could tell that that was going on. With your daughters, I don't see a straight up biracial, bi- straight up biracial children. I see, I wonder what else is going on in there, you know, but mm, but again, yes. I'm hyper, like I'm constantly looking for it because I'm, yeah, it's brought to my attention from myself so often. I wonder yeah. over time what, what they'll seem to attach to. I mean, you may have one kid that attaches more to being British and one more to be Nigerian and one more to be an Iranian, like who knows? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's this weird thing, <laughs> you know. We're so we're so different. We deal with a lot of the same things, but we the way we handle even individually, even amongst siblings, is very different. Like I've talked a yeah. little bit about my own brother on a couple other episodes, and he's not he's not in the mixed world at all. He he tries to function without race as much as possible. He doesn't like it to come up, but if he were going to pick one, I would assume he would pick white based off of kind of who okay. he surrounds himself with and who and who he's comfortable around he's not very comfortable in, in black spaces even though we grew up that way it's actually kind of a surprise we grew up in the same house at all because we're so wow. he doesn't like people to know that we're mixed so obviously if i'm going to be around him and i'm you know <laughs> the host of a mixed race podcast <laughs> it's gonna be a little i'll expose him probably a little bit yeah. and and we're you know we're just totally different he he yeah. has darker skin than me but he he reflects the white side more in terms of features and and things like that he looks like the he kind of looks like the white people in our family but with a darker skin tone right um, yeah. and then i look like this ambiguous thing that i am <laughs> right um, right yeah so it'll be interesting to see sort of how your girl's shake out over time what actually crossed you into like just not just being a mixed race family but saying i need a public forum to start talking about what it's like to be a mixed race family what got you there um i think it's being able to talk about some of the issues that the girls my girls will will go through Mm -hmm. um so having a mic for that is 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 big i think probably my first post was about the heartbreak i had when my daughter came home and said, I want a mummy that looks like me. And I was like, wow. (laughs) And you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of, you know, whether or not it was someone on the playground, it, or if it was just that feeling of why are, why do we look so different? Um, And, you know, the constant talks that we have about, you know, reassuring her about her, her curly hair and, you know, it's special. And, and the fact that I am her biggest role model as a, as a female in her life. And yet, yeah, we don't, we don't look, I mean, we will have similar features in some ways, but Mm -hmm. to the, to the naked eye, it's, it's, you know, she's got beautiful curly hair. I have quite straight hair at the moment. I used to have curly hair, but it's gone somewhere. (laughs) Um, my oldest, her, her skin's probably the darkest out of my three three girls, and yeah, I mean, just just very different different features. And so, 
yeah, I'm sure we could, uh, I'm sure she has my smile and there are aspects that we point to, but mm-hmm. I think that, that, that was, yeah, that was my first post. And then the second post I think was about some of the questions that you get asked and the constant, are they yours? Are, are those all yours? You know, did you adopt them? And that's the kind of, I just thought I, I needed an outlet. Okay. So that's what prompted the blog. And then it's sort of evolved from there when I realized actually there's a community out there that really needs this. There's so many people who kind of reached out and said, this resonates on so many levels. I just realized that, and particularly in the UK where I think less so in the States and Canada, the mixed race being mixed race isn't that isn't certainly the identity aspect isn't talked about a whole lot, even though I think there's I, certainly in London, I feel like there's there's so many mixed race families. Hmm. And yet I don't feel like there is that much dialogue about it. And because race, I guess, is so ingrained in American history and the mm-hmm. um, and certain it governs a lot of the you know economics, politics, whatever socioeconomics. It, here, it just feels like there's much more of a consciousness about class mm-hmm. and race. Sort of is is maybe number two or number three on that list. So it just yeah, I think there there's scope for really having this 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 conversation actually here, and I and I think people have been uh, yeah have been open to it and saying, Oh yeah, I didn't, I never thought about that actually. Or, you know, even white English friends have said, Oh yeah, I didn't realize that curly hair might be different to, you know, the hair care might be Mm. different to where, what I do with my kids hair. I'm like, yeah, well you wake up about 45 minutes later than I do to do three (laughs) girls hair. Let me just tell you. Right. I need to style it. It's not just about, you know, getting up and and leaving the house. So, yeah. Well, that is an interesting idea. For me, me, what really drove starting this podcast was this need for representation. You know, we have the representation matters hashtag and things like that. And, And I always struggled with growing up, never seeing people that look like me, but more than that was never seeing people that looked like my parents, you know, yeah. you never, like my parents were different colors and they'd look different. It was obvious, but I didn't have anything on TV that sort of showed that. And if there was a mixed, uh, an interracial couple with children, it was usually about the problems around why that wasn't a good idea. And, right. and so that need for representation in entertainment has always been sort of my focus is like, I, I don't see myself anywhere. I want to see myself, but I never even thought about not seeing yourself in your own family, which if I, you know, just thinking yeah. about what your daughter said, I, I guess I kind of thought I looked like my mom, but really I look like my dad. My face is my dad's face. I'm j- I'm just the girl version of him and, you know, paler with straight, you know, straighter hair. But I guess mm-hmm. because um, roughly I have the same kind of tone of my mom. I'm a little darker than her. Uh, I guess I kind of thought it, well, if I look like someone, I, I kind of look like her. Uh, mm. So that's interesting. Mixed, the representation can go pretty a lot deeper than than just being able to see yourself in the public public space. Yeah, um, yeah. That's I th- when I knew I had my work cut out for me because yeah. I just, you know, and then it kind of, it spiraled from there. This was at four years old, so it kind of, there was more incidents where she came home or not. In fact, I was in the classroom and one of her friends came up and said, oh, that can't be, she can't be your mama. This was like week two of pre-K, what oh, we call reception here. Right. And her, the, the child said, that can't be your mom. She's got different skin color to you. <laughs> And I was like, whoa. Yeah, I was like, this is is big talk for that age. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I had to sit them all down. I'm like, oh, you know, this is what a mixed family is. I have different skin color to her, but, you know, she's a mix of 
both her dad and me and oh and you know but it's that kind of I just realized you know what closing this door of conversation is just it's never a good good idea I don't understand right. where this idea about being colorblind ever came about I it's just hate that worst idea advice too. you could ever take <laughs> and that's the biggest message I you know I've been putting out to moms and dads of mixed race kids you have yeah. to be having this conversation because if even if you think oh you know if I ignore it if I don't talk about it they notice it from age two mm-hmm. I mean there's being you know even though they might not talk about it with you it is being you know it's being talked about them it's they're going to be it's being talked around them so yeah have the conversations constantly is is your role as a parent in bringing them up to be healthy individuals i just think it's it's part and parcel of just like you'd have a talk about sexuality you certainly mm-hmm. should have a talk about racial identity and so that they're prepared when it does come up things that that might be thrown their way and yeah i just think it's it's preparing them for for a world that is unfortunately, very racialized still. Yeah, I'm, that is a point of real frustration for me, too. And and even though, like, your blog is about your family and everything like that, and I don't, I'm not raising children, it's still something that I feel like a resource or something that I can even connect to. One, because I can see areas in which I remember that kind of stuff growing up. You know, you'll address an issue and it's like, yeah, that was that's what it was like. Why wasn't anybody talking about this back then? Why were we always so afraid to... You know, it's kind of like when people whisper a race, you, you know, where they say, oh, I was talking to this black person and blah, 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 blah. And yeah. it's like, why did you whisper that? Yeah, you know, exactly. like the fact that you whispered that is the is a problematic thing. Let's stop it's and so- let's address that thing. Um, <laughs> but the person yeah, exactly. that does the colorblind thing, like you say, it's to me, it's it's a worse kind of racism than an outward racism because it's one of those things that kind of get under your skin and you're not thinking mm-hmm. about it consciously, but it's still having an effect or an impact. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's going to happen to children. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what turned me into the little mixed race fighter that I am now because I didn't like that it got swept on the road. I don't, you know, like I yeah. don't really know. Yeah, same. But I remember it being something that was really frustrating to me. And, you know, why was I told to not tell my Japanese family that I was part black? Why why did we have to just tell my family we were American and whatever that meant to them, they just figured, you know, they figured out whatever they figured out. Why yeah. was it when I finally became an adult and started to tell my Japanese cousins what my father was and what we were mixed with? Why was it such big news? You know, if exactly. we had just not hit it back then, I could have lived out loud as who I was and I wouldn't have to sort of be this code switch ninja that I am today where, you know, with them, I'm Japanese and with them, I'm black and with them, I'm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like growing up and being like, you know, my friends being saying to me, but I don't look at look at you as different. So and that was supposed to be the Ah, reason. I hate it. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, now I think, well, why didn't you? Because that's not a bad thing. And I want I want my girls to be proud of the difference. And so when they come home and they say, oh, you know, I want the name Sally or something instead of whatever her name is, which is a Nigerian name. I, I'm like, no, you should be proud of that. I know. Be, you know, it's just, and I remember feeling, yeah, almost feeling guilty for wanting to lay claim to the, to my Iranian side because the, my white friends would, would be desperate to make sure that I didn't feel that I didn't identify as anything but. Right. And, and, and um, they overly other you. Like, it's like a ch- double, triple, quadruple yes. other. Because like, I don't see, I I want you to feel good that I don't see you 
yeah, completely. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that's not helpful. Exactly. It's not a compliment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just gotta pause yeah. for a second, and I'm not gonna cut this out, but I just have to pause because I have to say, like, this is exactly the thing that that made me want to do this is to be able to just commiserate with someone about how ridiculous this idea of I don't see color or I don't see difference. It's such a point of frustration that only other mixed people I think really, really understand um, that like any monoracial person that's just like, oh, I don't see color or I don't see this. It's just like, oh, then you're just telling me you don't care to know who I am. So I'm just glad that, well, one, I'm glad you brought it up and and me, you know, not necessarily me, but I to be able to connect with somebody about this feels yes. so good. <laughs> and I think it, it raises I think it raises a lot of people's backs because race is so contentious and I think mm. you know if people you know even right even talking to friends that are telling people that other moms that I write the blog and you know I, I just want to be clear it's not about a victim mentality it's not mm. about saying oh poor us we're you know we have to they have to identify as 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 mixed and therefore I don't know, victims of racism. That's mm-hmm. not what this is about. It's actually just acknowledging and having some sort of validation that, yeah, exactly. you, we are different and that's okay. And, and then that's sometimes it's awesome. Yes, yes. And it's awesome to be celebrated. (laughs) I can go from a Japanese New Year where my family made skiyaki in a a pot on the table and we all got to eat and then to a cookout or Christmas in July where, you know, the stereotype that black people are always late. So we celebrate Christmas in July. I know. You know, like things like that. Like, I love that I had that growing up. And I feel... I kind of feel the, bad that monoracial people don't get that kind of stuff. It's so. true. It's true. And like, the World Cup has like, been a total. It's been a complete example of that. The girls don't even know who to who to support <laughs> anymore because they're like, "Who are we supporting now?" I'm like, "Nigeria's on. We're supporting Nigeria." And that's and then Iran played, and we and you know we made Iranian food, and we were cheering them on, and it's just you know it's, it's just so a, rich. It's such a a better yeah. uh, thing. I feel that way about the Olympics too. Like, I mean, I. I, I say this a lot that I don't actually feel American unless I'm not in the States. Like that's when, because other yeah. countries, you know, they ask you where you're from, you say America and that's the end of the conversation. You know, there's yeah. nothing else yeah. that we say. We're here in the States. I'm constantly asked, what am I? What am I? What am I? By other Americans yeah. and me being American isn't enough. So when the yeah. Olympics rolls around, it's actually kind of hard for me to really be excited about American teams unless they have yeah. a an athlete that like is far surpassing anything else. So if I see Japanese playing any sport, I get really excited. If I see, you know, even England to a degree, there's, there's certain, you know, I, I did grow up with my British grandmother for a little bit too, but I find Mm -hmm. that there's been more mixed race British, um, and so I end up attaching to those mixed race British athletes because I'm like, they're the closest thing to me. So I'm going to go ahead and support them. But then like this last Olympics, there was a half black, half Japanese uh, track male track star. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's everything. You know, like that was that was super exciting for me. And like part of me still wanted to go. He's he probably just not going to stand a chance against, you know, the Jamaicans or the Kim, you know, (laughs) or whatever, stuff like that. But I was still super excited. And and honestly, I think I I think he came in second or third. I don't don't actually remember now, but. 
I just remember being so excited to see like if anybody is even remotely representative of me that was one of the first times I really got to see it like that and I was super excited I haven't gotten into you know international football that much yet but I feel like I'm going to start doing that because I I keep seeing all this hype uh, you know every time the World Cup pops up and and people going for their you know ancestral cultures and stuff like that versus the countries that they actually live in and I'm like you know what I could get into that (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) when you're mixed you could have multiple chances which is great oh I totally won embrace the one that's doing the best (laughs) but the problem is when when they are in competition with each other so Mm -hmm. for me when when Japan England I Mm. I think I default with Japan I think that just kind yeah. of happens. Yeah. But if there is like if it's track, I'm I am gonna go with the American track team because they tend to be black anyway, and that's that goes with me too. So it's a weird yeah. thing of like, okay, what if they're versus somebody that you know I'm also mixed with? What do I? How do I do? <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Has the Iranian team had to play Nigeria at all? No, which is funny, but but I I guess that's it would probably be so rare. <laughs> Um, an occurrence that I guess we'd we'd face that when it came to it. But yeah. no offense to Iran, they generally, I mean, sporting events aren't tend to be their sport. Yeah, unless it's like weightlifting category of some of the Olympics. <laughs> uh, oh, nobody gets angry about that one. They get some trolls on the game. Yeah, I'm still waiting to find out. Like, you know, we haven't released fully yet, so it'll be interesting to see what are the things that tip people off. You know, I'm I'm curious. Yes. I'm sure any discussion of of international football will be will be a passion thing for some folks. Yeah, exactly. I, but like some of the, some of the times I've talked to s- s- people, and it's either whether it's like activism questions or country questions, they'll say something and then they'll stop themselves and go, oh, you know, and they like <laughs> have to think, do I care if this is out there? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's true. So, so yeah, I was thinking like with your blog, even though I don't have a family, I it well, I don't have my own children or anything like that. I still feel that your blog is very informative to me just because it's just one of those things like for a person who needs a community so bad, you take mm-hmm. it in almost any way that you can get it. I will be just as connected to let's say a, a half Iranian, half British person like you that is not necessarily mixed exactly that I am. I'll gravitate to you and feel like we are each other's people far more than I will just a monoracial person because exactly. I don't think that they'll necessarily get it. So like yeah. your blog for me, it's something I have bookmarked. I, you know, I, I'm, I subscribe to your list so that I can see when your stuff pops up just because I'm like, this is something I would have loved to have had, you know, growing up and that it's here now. Is like this is what we need. This I I'm just excited about it. So I'm I'm well one. I'm really glad that I was able to to actually connect with you. But to you know you gained a fan because I'm like this is the kind of stuff that I would have loved. I just would have loved it. I just would have. So from from there though, you know, we talk a little bit about hair, and we talk a little bit about your children's own experience of their their mixedness. Do you feel? as their parent I mean I know they're going to just kick you in the teeth sometimes with coming up with something that you weren't even prepared for when you when you think <laughs> you're, you know you're trying to be so aware of it like when your daughter said I wish I had a mom that looked like me are there times when you just feel like you know you put in all this effort and you still don't get it like you just don't know what to do for them oh totally totally I mean it happened the other day and it was funny because with our with my eldest because you know I was so conscious and because the, the all those things that happened when she was four you know I remember the day I just went on Amazon and I would just ordered like 20 
multi, you know, books featuring multiracial characters. And I was so on it, um, showing her uh, really uh, role models that looked like her to show her different ideals of beauty and certainly curly hair women. And, and then, you know, you let it slip a little bit with the second one and you just feel like it's going through by osmosis somehow. <laughs> and then it was funny because I, we got, uh, my youngest daughter, a ballet doll or doll, a ballerina doll, mm-hmm. and she had darker skin and my middle daughter <laughs> like threw it on the ground and said, I don't like her. And I, and I was, and I just, I kind of had a feeling mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, why, why wouldn't you like her? And she's like, Oh, cause of her dark skin. And I, I mean, the alarm bells just went off. I was like, what? Yeah. For someone who blogs on this who's someone who's super hypersensitive on this for someone a child who has massive amount of positive role models Mm -hmm. who have uh, who have dark skin where is this coming from and I just realized we are so up against it and if you're just if you're not conscious Mm -hmm. and you're not addressing this almost every day you know just because it's on it's on the billboards it's in the advertisements Mm -hmm. it's in you know, they're, they're, she she goes to a diverse school, but all her teachers are white. All her friends happen to be white, even though there's, a you know, probably about a third of the class is ethnic minority. And I just feel like, I you know, unless you're actually making a conscious effort, you, you just feel like you, you're getting it wrong sometimes. Yeah. And so yeah, we sat down and we had the conversation and, and my husband was telling me to just relax, relax. It's fine. <laughs> and it was, I mean, she kind of, uh, we talked about how, well, then, you know, why would you say that? And, and there, are, you know, there are lots of people in your life, namely your dad, for one, who you right. love very much. And she was, she admitted that. And then she realized that we named all the people who had dark skin, who she loves. And she's like, okay, well, not all. And then she realized, <laughs> like, so just like there are white people that, that um, you might not like, there are people with dark skin that you might not like, and it does, has nothing to do with skin color. And then right. she realized realized it was one of those lessons but I was like wow you cannot let it you can't let the ball or whatever the saying is the ball yeah. slide it's just really um you just got to keep your finger on it all the time and just make sure that you're having these conversations and and uh, I picked up you know I started reading the books that I hadn't picked up for a while and I was like okay we got to make a, another conscious effort and mm-hmm. And show her the the ideals of beauty, and it probably wasn't. It was probably one, you know, at the kids that age. She's she was only four at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. she's now five, but kids that age, it can be one negative experience with someone who happens to have a particular characteristic, right, yeah, right. and then they paint it about all the old people like that. So that's I'm sure that's what happened, but it did it did kind of throw me back and realize, okay. I don't got it figured out yeah. for, for me, who's, who's, I feel like it was very conscious of this and I'm still having the, the same, you know, the same battles. So mm-hmm. that actually did happen with my brother. So he, he was sort of as a kid, like a preteen beat up by a couple of black kids. And from that, that's the moment that I noticed he became white. <laughs> Uh, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, like that was the moment. And the weird thing is, it's not like he had never fought a white kid, but I think the circumstance Mm -hmm. of this particular fight and maybe just our culture in general, speaking to speaking down about black people or something like that, he tended, that's just the way he tended to fall. And, and for me, it was completely the opposite for me in terms of my issues with colorism and shadism was that I, I wasn't dark enough. Like I wanted, I, I was I gravitated towards darker skin. I found darker skin more beautiful than lighter skin. I don't particularly yeah. find like paleness or 
blonde hair. I don't gravitate towards it. So when yeah. my yeah. advertising in front of my face is constantly that, I just like, there's just nothing out here for me. But yeah. you can show me, you know, like in the movie Black Panther, you can show me Lopito Nyong'o or Denai Guerrero, and I look at them and I'm like... I, I mean, Beautiful. they're way darker than me. And yet I look at them and I'm like, that's my, that's the, the beauty that I would like to attain. <laughs> right. Uh, and wow. we're just like, it's just a, such a different thing from even yes. how my own brother, my own brother felt. And I don't know where it started. I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily had more positive black role mo- models than white mo- role models or Asian role models or what. It was just like... <laughs> It was just how I ended up gravitating towards. So my own struggle with my own color and in terms of my own skin color is that I'm not dark enough. Yeah. But that's entirely internal. It's not like anybody has ever said to me, you're not dark enough or light enough. I mean, I did have trouble in high school, you know, 14, 15 years old where the lighter skinned black girls didn't appreciate me as much because I was lighter than them. My mm-hmm. hair was straighter than theirs. Yeah. And so I was, you know, you're, we're all fighting for our identity and they're, you know, they're basically like, I'm screwing up things for them because I'm, I'm lighter than them. And so, you know, it rearranges yes. how they felt about themselves. And, yeah. and so I found, I found protection amongst the darker skin girls yeah. because they didn't care that I was lighter than the light skin girls. They were just like, whatever, you're fine. And, and, and this is where it's so interesting that how, no matter what, it's, it's kind of being aware that no matter what we as parents do, our kids could grow up in the, in the same environment. And yet Mm -hmm. there's so much about their identity that's going to form based on their own experience Mm -hmm. being out there in the world. So for you is about the, the peers that you were mixing with Mm -hmm. for your brother. It was about one incident Mm -hmm. perhaps. And that's not necessarily something that we will be able to control, but this is what I feel like being able to talk about it from a young age and just mm-hmm. being having that open door of conversation. So if your brother had been able to ha- have an outlet to say, mm-hmm. this is what happened, I'm angry about it. And this is how I, you know, th- you know, even to be able to name it and say, yeah, and I'm really angry about these black kids or whatever. And your parents, you know, whoever his, was his outlet to, mm-hmm. they would be able to have that conversation and say, look, like this is, I get it. And, and yeah, and just to be able to put it in some sort of healthy perspective but I think that that's really what I want to do with the girls because they are going to have experiences Mm -hmm. and they're going to have completely different experiences and we talked a little bit about the each of them having different experience just by just by virtue of the fact that they've got different shades of of brown Mm -hmm. in the different hair and one of them having the kind of more I suppose ideal curls and that they fall and they're loose Mm -hmm. and you know it's quite long curls whereas another one having more afro type hair that tighter curls that grow up and her really desperately not wanting that kind of hair and I wonder if that's going to play into how she identifies later on and and maybe even rejecting that side Mm -hmm. but I guess that's you know that will be her journey but I want to be there when she's going through that and and having that conversation and saying, you know, you know, to reassure her and to be, to be there for her. Cause I think again, with mixed being mixed, I think your, your identity is fluid in some ways. And, you know, when you're amongst different, different communities, you will identify differently. Exactly. Yeah. I think hair is, oh gosh, hair is like just a minefield where, where we're concerned. Like even, I mean, even mm. for, you know, someone like me who tends more towards like the Asian style hair, you can still tell my hair wanted to do like it wasn't stirred up all the way and so occasionally it kind of 
does my version of an afro at the bottom, but not at the top. And I right. always wish I always wish it just afroed. I mean, that was just how that was that was just how I I was growing up, and and so I I do miss out on that. But I'm glad that I was able to keep my hair naturally what it was until I was a teenager. You know, that's when I did start to do perms so that I could have curly hair because I I assume I assigned curly hair to mixedness and so I was trying right. to make myself seem more mixed by by starting to perm my hair. I think right. um, as your daughters grow older, as long as their hair is you know, able to stay natural so that once they get to that age where it's okay for them to start doing things, you know, they can do their experiment, mm-hmm. uh, experimentation and kind of figure out where they fall. But mm-hmm. while, you know, like I see, I see on your blog, the efforts where you talk about mixed hair and the products that you use. And gosh, I mean, that mm-hmm. was always something that you could always tell a kid who had a white mother, like in terms of the biracial kids growing up is because their hair wasn't tended to at all yeah, and you're just like exactly. take a class or like, exactly. or like don't feel bashful about going up to a black mother and be like can you yeah help me learn how to take care of my child's head you know like i wish that kind exactly. of stuff and that's a that goes into us not talking about not being comfortable talking about race or otherness yeah if, if these white mothers felt that they could go to black spaces and be like look i have a mixed black child i need to learn how to handle her hair one yep. so that you're not causing problems down the line <laughs> for that yep, child yep. and not affecting their identity as much too as they kind of yep. figure out what it is it would be it would be so much more beneficial so i'm glad that yep. you know we you know you you and i both are trying to find this way of talking about these things building a community and and filling the void that we experienced growing up and yep. you know obviously we're both going to miss things that that just didn't pop up on our radar but hopefully our things inform other people's things and whatever they create as a result too we'll kind of pick up those gaps and and for we sure. get a little bit easier you know make it a little bit easier for us to talk about these things i think yeah i think we're getting close to about that time so i i i kind i would really like to talk to you all the time. <laughs> I know. It's been great. I, I think. I, I it's been think. Fantastic. Um, you know, you, you're just you just have such a wealth of knowledge just from your own personal experience. And but I think also probably the fact that you are on a public forum and do engage with people probably on a regular basis that you you know you have even a stronger education about this type of stuff than you know sort of the average mixed family that's just out there trying to live. I, if you wouldn't mind, I would like to invite you back more times. Yeah, so I'd love kind of to talk about this stuff because because it's it's been it's been great. Really excited about your podcast and your 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 channel. It's really great. It's great space. I think I'm excited. I hope I hope it I hope it blows up. But until then, I just want to be able to you know continue to have that open conversation with everybody I'm connecting with and 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 build the community too, you know, build the mm. community that I missed growing up. It's it's kind of entirely selfishly motivated. It just happens to have this hopefully beneficial side effect yeah, for yeah. other people. But yeah, why don't you tell everybody how to see your blog, how to follow you on social media so that they can get access to that. And then we'll also put it up on our social media too. Awesome. Yeah. So I am on Facebook as Mixed Race Family. I'm also on Twitter as Mixed Up Mama One. Uh, but my, I mean, go to my webpage. It's the, it's probably the, the easiest. So it's mixedracefamily.com and you'll find all my social media handles there and Instagram's there as well. So yeah, join, join the Facebook community. I regularly post there, sign up to, to receive the posts and I write pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So it's a, 
pool of resources, um, and I love talking to people who for whom this resonates and, and finding community. It's great. Right. Yeah, you have a lot of resources, space. You have books and tips on parenthood, tips on preparing yourself to even get into a situation to have mixed children. Like the, the yeah. it's a pretty thorough experience. I, I enjoyed a lot. Thank you so much yeah. for joining me today. I look forward to speaking to you many more times in the future. Thanks, Jimmy. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.